Coming up later on, a new feature in the third segment, number of the week. Oh boy. Stick around for it. It's going to be great. We need a, a jingle, I think, for this Not new yet. feature. Let's see if this, is, see if this <laughs> okay. catches on. Hi, and welcome to GeekWire. I'm GeekWire co-founder Todd Bishop. And I'm GeekWire co-founder John Cook. We are coming to you from Seattle, where we get to report each day on what's happening around us in technology, science, and innovation. What happens here matters everywhere. And every week on this show, we talk about some of the biggest and most interesting stories in the news. I want to say, though, for the first time in 18 months, we are in the studio together with our producer, editor, Kurt Milton, Delta variant be damned. <laughs> Hopefully we don't have a breakthrough case here. Let's hope not. It is kind of a novelty though, to be sitting across a table from you and talking to you. Take me back to Zoom. <laughs> You're ready. I'm ready to go I, back I, I, to I used Zoom. The, I used the breath mints and everything. <laughs> yeah. like, brush my teeth. This is awkward. <laughs> All right. Okay. I, I only want to know you virtually. All right. Also coming up later on, we're going to be talking about Satya Nadella's biggest success, I would say, so far as Microsoft CEO, or at least one of them. So we'll talk about that. Good tease. Good tease. Good tease. Okay. But first, we had a great adventure with the rest of the GeekWire team. It's the GeekWire Great Race. We first did this a few years ago, and we had the return of it just recently. Part two. Part two. And the idea is each member of the team picks a different form of transportation. So lift, cabs, personal vehicles, bikes, scooters, a one-wheeler. Is that what that thing was? Yes. Oh, and the whole point I should say is you go from one point to another. You see who gets there fastest. And you learn a lot along the way about the city, new methods of transportation, technology, and it's really a fascinating experiment, and we'll link to the story that our managing editor, Taylor Soper, wrote up about this, and Taylor organized all of this, by the way. All credit to Taylor on this. But John, you had what I would characterize as kind of a, not even cathartic. I mean, cathartic kind of understates it. It was almost sort of like a religious experience in the back of a cab, based on That's your write-up. stating it. <laughs> That's, I must have done a really good job of writing up my piece of it, if you felt that way. <laughs> Tell us about your experience in a yellow cab. Well, I was given the option to go by taxi cab from, and we should say we were traveling from the Amazon spheres in downtown Seattle to West Seattle. And for those that don't know Seattle well, this is a cluster because the West Seattle Bridge has been shut down because it's essentially falling apart, which has caused traffic nightmares throughout that entire part of the city. So it was an interesting choice of where we were going for our final destination. And the origin was interesting, too, in that this is the new Seattle landmark, the spheres, Amazon's contribution to the ecology of downtown right. Seattle. And to give people a sense, it's about seven miles. Uh, and West Seattle is a peninsula. So it's a very challenging place to get to. Anyway, when given the assignment of a taxi cab, I was like, you know, this is kind of fitting for me, a bit old school. Uh, and I debated whether to download their new app or just call it old school. I just decided to do the app. And several minutes later, Bob <laughs> pulled up. and But something happened before Bob pulled up. I've read your write-up. You were tracking him on the app, which is not nearly as good, you mentioned, in terms of the tracking capabilities not, as not Uber Not quite as good as Uber and Lyft. Right. But, but the experience was far superior to Uber and Lyft. And to cut to the chase on this, 
Bob was a fantastic cab driver. He'd been driving in Seattle for 30 years. And when I told him where I was going, I gave him the address, you know, like old school. I wasn't plugged into the, his phone or app. I said, I'm going to West Seattle and here's the address. He immediately knew where I was going. He knew exactly the part of West Seattle I was going to. He said like that's near Alki or something yeah, like that. Yeah, it's near Alki Beach. I know exactly where that is. And he was off and just did a masterful job of navigating the city and made decisions outside of the parameters of what the mapping technology was telling us to do. Well, cutting to the chase, as a result, we were the first four-wheel motorized vehicle to arrive in West Seattle, beating the gig car share, beating the personal vehicles. There were two, Jonathan Spazzato, our, our chairman at GeekWire and managing editor Taylor Soper were in their personal cars. We beat them. But most importantly, we beat the Lyft by 10 minutes. We were 10 minutes faster than the Lyft. And the Lyft, I think, picked up Beth Silvis on our business team before I got picked up. Wow. Uh, and so this was quite interesting. But even bigger than that was the cost differential between Lyft and yellow cab. So you paid before tip $49.10. Beth on our team, who you mentioned, who was in the lift, paid $68.44, a difference of almost $20 before tip. And I arrived 10 minutes faster. So the moral of the story is go old school, baby. <laughs> well, it seems like yellow cabs and traditional taxis are experiencing a bit of a renaissance given the higher rates that we've seen of Uber and Lyft during the pandemic. So you're representative of a trend. Maybe it's a good trend based on what you experienced. Well, it was still expensive. I mean, this is crazy to think that you had to travel seven miles and it took 55 minutes for me to get there, I should say. And uh, it costs $50. So I mean, that's pretty expensive. That's in part, though, a comment on the route that you had to take because the bridge was closed. Right. Well, that's part of the reason we did the story, too. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But the reason I described it as a bit of a religious experience, and maybe that's overstating it, I agree. But Bob was not only a great driver who used his wits to get you there faster than the computer algorithm in Google Maps might have. He also had a fascinating perspective on the history of this city and the role of technology in making Seattle what it is today. Yeah, and Todd, I knew when he <laughs> responded to my question uh, that you were going to love this because I asked him, hey, you've seen a lot of change in Seattle in 30 years to drive in a cab around here. What's the, been the biggest change you've seen? And his response was just so classic. He said, Windows 95. I love this. Windows 95 <laughs> was the biggest change in Seattle history. He said that was the moment that Seattle grew up and transformed into a different type of place and city and put Microsoft on the map, which then led to all these other giant technology companies. And he knew them all. He's like, I, you know, Google has a big operation here and Facebook and Apple and was just rattling off. Like he was, I didn't ask him, but he was probably a GeekWire reader. Do you think that we could find Bob again yes. and get him on the show? Oh, yeah, that's a great idea. Yes, I think we could. 
uh, I got his I got his full information. I don't refer to him by his full name in the story, uh, just by first name. But yeah, I think we could do that. That'd be fantastic. I love this. Okay. Well, I had a much different experience. My only interaction along the way was yelling at our colleagues as I was either coming up on their tail or passing them. Tim Ellis, uh, GeekWire contributor, was the defending champion in the great race. He won on his one wheel scooter device. Right. And we should say last, well, when we did this last time, we raced from Fremont, where the GeekWire HQ1 is located, <laughs> to uh, Pioneer Square. So a much shorter, a much more shorter. manageable route. Tim won that race on his one-wheeled scooter. This time, he got an extra battery pack for it to be able to make it the full seven miles. Now, maybe we shouldn't spoil the outcome for people who have not read the story yet. Do we care? No, let's tell people. Yeah. Everyone's okay. read this story because it's been out, right? Right, exactly. Uh -huh. So Tim did not win this time. This time, our colleague Kurt Schlosser won. He was riding a very nice, by the way, electric bike that was a personal vehicle, essentially. Not right. And we shared. should say the route now, the, the advantage here that the folks on scooters or bikes had or electric bikes was the fact that they could – go on the lower span of the West Seattle Bridge to get over to the peninsula much faster than those had, they had to go extremely far south in order to get to West Seattle. I rode shared scooters. Um, I started off on a Link scooter, and you witnessed my first complication, John. There was a good Samaritan right there. <laughs> sort of. He almost was. <laughs> I ended up talking to him for like five minutes as I waited for my cab after that. So what happened was we were waiting at the spheres and waiting for it to start, and I had my eye on a nearby scooter with a very full battery or close to full battery, which I knew I would need to get myself as far as I could get along the trail. And right as Taylor said, ready, set, go, somebody else, not with our group, walked up to that scooter and started trying to register it. Fortunately, I don't you know. Went you went and beat him up and <laughs> took the scooter from him. I don't know if you picked up on this, but he had no idea what he was doing. He hadn't even downloaded the app, but I was, I was very deferential. I was going to let him take it. I figured that was part of the experience yeah. was these other That's folks. That happens. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And you're not really going to beat anybody up in a normal circumstance. So you wouldn't do it in a race at any rate. My biggest mistake was I underestimated the range of each of the scooters I had. And at one point, I was actually ahead of Tim on the bike trail going along the waterfront toward West Seattle. And I saw a cluster of scooters off to the side. And I thought to myself, okay, I don't know how far this battery is going to go. This looks like the mother load right here. I'm going to pull over and there's going to be a scooter here that's going to have a full charge and it's going to get me the rest of the way. It was not the mother load, John. It was the graveyard. Because turns out, if you leave a scooter halfway between downtown and the West Seattle Bridge, you're not leaving it there with a full charge. You're leaving it because you ran out of battery. Why? I didn't think of this. At any rate, my big takeaway was it was totally manageable. I think had I done a dry run on a scooter and known generally how far like a 70% charge would get me, I would have made it halfway there on one scooter. There was a place near the Duwamish waterway overpass where there were a bunch of scooters underneath a shelter and I could have just traded off right there. I would have been fine. Scooters, I think are actually pretty reasonable on the right routes. I'm not a fan, not a fan. The problem for me is when you get to streets and stuff and sidewalks you're not supposed to be riding on. I had another experience that I wrote about with spin scooters later in the week where 
their algorithm is really interesting. It, it detects sidewalks and chirps at you if you ride on a sidewalk in violation of the city ordinance. And their algorithm, unfortunately, detects the Burke Gilman Trail as a sidewalk. I have my own feelings on that. You shouldn't be on the Burke Gilman Trail with one of those devices. Oh, you're kidding. No. No, no motorized vehicles, including well, rad, rad power bikes, should not be okay. on those. All right. They're extremely so you're dangerous. Going, you're going way back. I actually agree with you on this, but they are allowed. They are allowed. They shouldn't be. They're dangerous. You sound like me because, but I've, I've actually, you sound like me about two years ago. I've maybe because but I've you've ridden devolved. them. I've devolved, but I will say I am very careful. Shared bike, shared scooter, no matter what helmet, wear you a gotta helmet. wear a helmet. Here's the other thing that stood out to me. Your total cost on the four or five, however many scooters you use to get to West Seattle was what? 30 some, 35? $30 and 14 $30 and 14 cents. And look at all the pain and crap you had to go through. Like you had to pay $30 to do that. Like pay the extra, you know, $19 and sit in the back and have a nice, lovely conversation or do email or listen to music and do it when, if it's raining or snowing. I would say that a seven-mile scooter ride is not the norm nor the typical use case that they would have envisioned. So I think that $30 is a little bit weird because typically you'd be riding you know, a fraction of that amount and be paying seven or eight bucks. That's, that's the deal. So long story short, whereas before we had kind of an unorthodox winner in the one-wheeled device. I don't, I can't remember what to call Tim's thing, but it's a, it's a one, 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 one wheeler. Wheel. Yeah. yeah. This time I feel like this exercise really proved that electric bikes are probably right in the sweet spot right now. They are the kinds of transportation that is the most efficient, lets you take the quickest route and yet does it without requiring full physical power. Yeah, and probably the cheapest too, because how many lift rides would you do before you can actually buy one of these electric bikes? Yeah. You know, maybe it's 10. True. It's true. And you're in the market for one. So that's, that's good. Now, obviously, the weather becomes an issue. Now, we should say the traditional bicyclists who biked the entire route, Mike Lewis, our reporter, who's a f fantastic biker, he probably could have won this because he was keeping up with the electric bike. And unfortunately, he pulled a flat on the route. Is that route. what happened? I yeah. didn't know and that. And so he lost about at least five or 10 minutes. But he was he was in the running just through traditional power. And uh, so that was interesting. And then we should do a shout out to our great uh, podcast producer here, Kurt Milton. Kurt, we were worried about you out there. <laughs> like you didn't show up for two hours afterwards. We were like, has anyone been in contact with Kurt? He's like, what happened? It was it was terrible. So I was robbed. <laughs> <laughs> he was robbed. Exactly. Do you remember or have you ever watched the show The Amazing Race? Yes, I love yes. it. Yeah. So this was to me a classic Amazing Race moment because Kurt and a couple other folks were taking different modes and routes to the West Seattle water taxi. Two other people made the water taxi at four forty-five p.m. That's right. Uh, Sean. Dolence and Charlotte Schubert on our team, they both made the, the water taxi that was just 15 minutes after we started. Kurt was taking a little bit more of a leisurely route. He cheered me on as I drove, <laughs> rode past. I was running. <laughs> he was, I was walking you were running? Fast. Okay. He was walking fast. Uh, so, but it, you know how like on The Amazing Race, it really depends on which flight you get a lot of times. Oh, right. Yeah. So that, it was very much an yes. amazing race moment. Absolutely. Well, it was a lot of fun. 
it was a lot of fun and uh, hopefully some lessons for folks thinking about ways to get around the city. Absolutely. All right. That is the GeekWire Great Race. We will link to the full roundup with photos from the show notes on this podcast and at geekwire.com slash podcast. Coming up, Satya Nadella's biggest victory so far as Microsoft CEO. I wanted a career in IT, but I didn't know where to start. WGU makes it simple. Their accredited online degree programs cover all kinds of IT specialties, and they have valuable industry certifications built in at no extra cost. The payoff? Having those certs back up my degree makes me look even better to future employers. A nonprofit university that includes top industry certs in their programs? I choose WGU. Learn more at wgu.edu backslash IT certs included. Welcome back. It's Todd Bishop with John Cook. We were talking about some of the biggest stories in the news this week and also some of our experiences using technology. John, do you remember when Microsoft announced in 2016 that it would be acquiring LinkedIn for $26.2 billion? I mean, I don't remember where I was at the exact moment <laughs> it happened. I mean, it wasn't that momentous of an occasion in my life, but I do remember the story. Yes. Right. It was not that far into Satya Nadella's tenure as CEO, year or so, maybe a little bit more. And this price tag was at the time and still Microsoft's largest acquisition in its history, $26.2 billion. Now, important point, it was not the largest acquisition attempt in Microsoft's history. Do you remember? Ooh, what the, interesting. Yeah, good, um, good trivia there. I would say Yahoo. That's right. 40 some odd billion. Right. They tried. Boy, they wow. avoided it, dodged a bullet there. Yes. So this came at a time when Microsoft was just coming off the huge write downs from the Nokia deal and further back, the Aquantive deal. Yeah, I, I remember it in that context because it was surprising that Satya was coming, you know, coming out of the gate with another big acquisition on the heels of the failure of the Nokia deal. He was really kind of putting a stamp on the company through this in many ways. Absolutely. Now, this past week in Microsoft's earnings report, we found out that LinkedIn has reached a milestone. It is now a $10 billion a year business. Its revenue has surpassed on an annual basis $10 billion, which puts it in the ranks of Microsoft's most successful, or at least its largest businesses. There are not that many. Well, there's quite a few at this point inside Microsoft that are 10 billion a year. But once you reach that point, it's kind of like you are a marquee business inside Microsoft. The most recent to hit that milestone have included their security business overall and gaming, just to give you a sense for it. And it struck me as a really interesting moment because when deals like this happen, we often ask, you know, what will be the measure of success? How will this happen? How will it turn out? And here we have it. Looking back five years ago, this turned out to be a successful deal, at least by that measure. Now, the problem is back in 2019, Microsoft stopped giving LinkedIn's operating profits. So we don't know if LinkedIn is profitable, but on the basis of their increase in advertising- Gosh, I would think they're highly profitable. You would I think mean, the so. type of business it is, I mean- they don't they have the network effect going on of just massive audience and reach at this point absolutely I, I, so i would think it's getting more profitable you would think so and it's too bad microsoft did stop giving the operating profit a while back i don't know why they did stop giving that but but they did 
they were on a trajectory at the time. You could see it to get back to profitability. And LinkedIn as a public company back in 2013 was profitable. And then they slipped into the red right before the Microsoft acquisition. But to me, this was just an interesting moment. And one of the fascinating things is that LinkedIn's advertising revenue has actually just really soared. And that speaks to a couple things. First, there is so much advantage for companies that have multiple revenue streams. So of course, a lot of folks pay LinkedIn subscription fees per month, whether they're looking for a job or doing marketing solutions, salespeople, they'll pay subscription for greater access. But increasingly, advertising has become a big source of revenue for LinkedIn. In fact, they said it surpassed $1 billion for the first time in this past quarter, up 97%. And one of the reasons is that big brands, in some cases, have started leaving Facebook and mm -hmm. looking for yeah. more stable and certainly less controversial contexts for their ads. And you would think the market is, I mean, it's a nice market to go after because these are typically business professionals. They're there for work purposes. So that's a nice niche to go after if you're an advertiser. So I think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I think it's been a tremendously successful acquisition it makes a lot of sense. The other thing, and I don't know if this is something that came out in the call or not, but remember when the time of the acquisition, everybody was saying the real advantage here for Microsoft is that they're going to get this massive data set that they're going to be able to use for machine learning and AI and what have you to start really you know, getting additional insights into what everybody is doing. So I don't know if that has come out more recently or not, or if you've heard anything about that. If it has, it has not been trumpeted by the company as something they're probably they're steering doing. clear of that because <laughs> people don't like to know that they're just being mined for their, their data. But do you remember the same reason was cited for Microsoft being interested in TikTok back when they were thinking about going after that? So to me, that speaks to the fact that either companies are just insatiable in their appetite for data or LinkedIn wasn't enough in terms of giving Microsoft that part of the the social graph, as yeah. they say. Yeah, and if you think about Microsoft's business, I mean, they're a they're a B two B company. They're business to business, and LinkedIn is a it's a business social network at the end of the day. And so, the the data they're getting there just matches up so perfectly with their other business lines. There's probably just so much added value they get through what they learn through LinkedIn. Not only that, but the product integrations. Satya Nadella on the conference call with analysts pointed to integrations with Office and Dynamics 365, Microsoft Viva. Do you know what Viva is? Microsoft Viva. <laughs> this is new. Okay. No, I don't think I know. I this know is their is. employee experience platform. Okay. Now that we all care about employees because they've been stuck at home for a year, now there's technology to enable that. <laughs> okay. Fantastic. <laughs> okay. But I think you're right on target there. And I think ultimately that's the reason this acquisition worked is that Satya Nadella knew what Microsoft was and is and did not try to make it something else. He tried to use this acquisition to improve what it was and make it a better right. version of it. And, and that's why I thought TikTok, and we talked about this on the yeah. podcast at the time, was such an odd choice for them. Um, very consumer oriented, but you know, Microsoft has had some success in that realm, I would say one of, another one of their very successful acquisitions in the consumer gaming realm is Minecraft. Yep. Um, True. So they've taken bets in weird places sometimes that have paid off. But think about this, though. 
Microsoft's gaming business is well established with Xbox and increasing their cloud gaming services. So in that way, Minecraft makes a ton of sense to me in a way that TikTok did not. But yeah, I I agree. agree. And they didn't do the deal probably (laughs) smartly. But I think they would have done it had the political environment allowed them to. Right. Well, Microsoft is it's interesting. It seems like they've they've gotten more acquisitive here uh, in the last few months. Um, Which is part of a larger wave of deals in the tech industry. Right. And and not not those gigantic deals like a twenty six billion dollar LinkedIn deal. They've made several purchases in the security realm. Uh, just this week, they bought a Seattle startup, Suplari, a relatively small startup, but that was another interesting deal that they've done. So interesting trend to watch in terms of what Microsoft is looking at next. You can use sometimes tell where they're going by their acquisition. So, And big picture, it was a giant quarter for Microsoft and a huge year. This was their fiscal fourth quarter. Their year ends on June 30th, and they posted profits of $16.5 billion for the quarter, up 47%. And it was interesting. I looked at it, and the most optimistic Wall Street analyst, the high estimate had been $2.03 per share. So in other words, not the average estimate. The, the average estimate was $1.90 per share. And Microsoft ended up coming in at $2.17 per share. So 14 cents higher than even the most optimistic analyst at 203. So very successful. You got you to gotta really step back and look at this in a historical context. I mean, this was a company that for many years people thought was just flatlining. And uh, here they are. Doing well. Be interesting to see what they do next in the the multiverse. Oh, right. Well, (laughs) just stepping back there for a second, you know, I know you've probably heard me say this, but there have been three really massive stories that we've chronicled at GeekWire over the past 10 years. One being the tremendous meteoric rise of Amazon. The second being the arrival of all these Silicon Valley tech giants that, you know, Google has 7,000 employees in Seattle now. So does Facebook and Apple and Salesforce and everybody else is here. And then the third, which maybe doesn't get as much attention, is the rebirth of Microsoft under Satya Nadella. Just huge. I agree. It's a huge story. All right. We will link from the show notes to all of our coverage of Microsoft earnings. There was a lot more to it, but the LinkedIn results at $10 billion a year now in revenue are certainly notable. Coming up next, the number of the week. Stay tuned. This GeekWire podcast is sponsored in part by Yale University Press. Are you concerned about the rise of AI and how it will impact our society? Every day, artificial intelligence presents us with urgent ethical challenges. How do we harness this extraordinary technology to empower rather than oppress? Nigel Shadbolt and Roger Hampson have written a how-to for building ethical machine intelligence. Their new book, As If Human, Ethics and Artificial Intelligence, is now available wherever books are sold. Welcome back. It is time for our newest feature, the number of the week. So John, here is how this is going to work. I'm going to give you a number, which in this case is a percentage, and I want you to guess what it might be. Oh boy. And I'm sure hilarity will All right. ensue. All how many, right. How many questions do I get? <laughs> not 20 questions. That's not good. We'll podcast just, let's just see how far it goes. Okay. Okay. This week's number, 26%. And this is not a growth rate. This is a a proportion. This is tough. A proportion Uh, of a company's sales is 26%. 
Oh, is it Microsoft oriented? It's not Microsoft oriented. It's a company that we don't always cover, but is well known and well associated with Seattle. F5? <laughs> I said, well-known. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, they've got a big tower in downtown well, Seattle. Well, I mean. Well-known globally. Okay. And well-associated with Seattle. This percentage represents their volume oh, I of know transactions. I got it. Okay. It's Starbucks. Yes. It's the – and I saw the I saw the thread going back and forth that you had okay. on this. This is not the one that you think it was. Oh. This is, this is something else. So I'll, now that you've identified Starbucks, I'll just tell you what it is. Well, can I take a guess? Yes. I think it is the percentage of orders that are like mobile order and pay. It's exactly it. It's exactly okay. it. Nicely done. So Thank you. That struck me. There were a few numbers that struck me in Starbucks's earnings this week. The one that you were referencing was 25%, and that is the percentage of milk-based drinks that are now – ordered with milk alternatives, such as almond milk or oat milk rather than dairy milk. <laughs> so 25%, it's up to that high, which I think speaks to changing societal norms, environmental concerns, all that stuff. But 26% is the number of transactions that are made now using mobile ordering. In other words, you order in advance and then you pick up either at the curb or in the store. And that number is up incrementally. It's gone up steadily throughout the pandemic. And uh, that may be a high watermark for that number. Yeah. And the Starbucks app is, it's slick. They've done a nice job rolling that out. It's not a surprise that people adopt it and then stick with it. Well, it speaks to the fact that ease of use is actually one of the ways that you can really get people to embrace your technology. It's not even so much the ultimate utility. It's just the fact that the the road is is easy to get there to the destination, just like on our, our race. So. Yeah. I will link from the show notes to that, but I, I wanted to just throw out that number. It, it's the number that really stood out to me, even more so than the the milk based twenty five percent. Yes, well, I can't wait for the next <laughs> number. number of the oh, week. Oh, it passes muster to to get a return. Sure. Okay, well, maybe we'll try something else as a new feature, and then we'll figure out when it can get a theme song. All right. Well, hey, this is quite a thrill being here in the office, speaking in person into actual mics, not going out over the internet. So we'll see how this goes. I hope everybody stays healthy. Great seeing you. Likewise. All right. That is GeekWire for this week. Our podcast is produced by Kurt Milton. Our theme music is by Daniel L.K. Caldwell. To see all of GeekWire's coverage of science, tech, business, and more, go to geekwire.com and sign up for our daily email newsletter to receive all of our headlines. Don't forget to check out our other GeekWire podcasts, Day 2, about everything Amazon, where we're talking this week about Amazon earnings, and the GeekWire Health Tech podcast. And please subscribe, rate, and review the GeekWire podcast wherever you listen. Until next time, I'm Todd Bishop. And I'm John Cook. Thanks for listening to GeekWire.